Good morning. Um, those of you that don't know, we've been in a series called uh, Box Office Wisdom, where we've been trying to uh, look at some uh, new movies that are coming out this summer and then try to give you some tools to evaluate the messages that are going on behind those movies and, and try to figure out a little bit more about what's going on now. Screenwriters, the ones that put these movies together, they are great storytellers. I mean, they really are. And uh, the thing with us, we love stories. Everybody loves a good story. There's uh, certain themes that go on in movies that resonate very deeply within us. You know, uh, we've looked at several of those, and some of those are in the movies this summer. Uh, the very first week, we looked at the uh, movie Maleficent, however you say that, something like that. But uh, we looked at that movie, and, and there, it's just dealing with hurt. How do you deal with hurt? How do you deal with uh, things that have gone on in your life that you really don't know um, how to quite handle those. Usually, within Hollywood, the theme is revenge. That's how you deal with it. And so we see movies like Braveheart. We see movies like Wolverine, Carrie, others that all have this theme of how do you deal with hurt. And then last week, we looked at a movie, um, Edge of Tomorrow, where, you know, the, the whole thought there is, wouldn't it be great to be able to have a do-over? Wouldn't it be able to, to stop what you're doing all of a sudden in the middle of your day just to be able to start over and, and do life again? And we've seen that theme a lot, too, throughout movies. We see movies like Groundhog Day, um, see movies like um, About Time and others, where basically the theme is, you know, if you could start over and do the day again. Then we've tried to look at how do you handle that. This week we're going to look at another one of those themes, and it's teamwork. And there's movies like Remember the Titans and Apollo 13 and Sandlot and others that we look at those and we think, oh, yeah, 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 that's, that's so fun. Or, that boy, that would be great to have a team like that. And we look at some of those, and as we do, those, those ideas on teamwork really resonate with us. But like I said, story writers, screenwriters, are, are very good storytellers. And one of the things that we've got to be careful of is they're very convincing in the way they tell a story. And if we're not careful... What we find is we find ourselves rooting for some very wrong outcomes because it's hard to believe sometimes, but screenwriters don't always have the same values that God has. And so sometimes they'll write things and, and they, they can be very convincing. I found myself thinking, yeah, Ruth, I kind of think, no, that's wrong. You know, that, that shouldn't be like that. Or you'll find yourself thinking that, a certain path that's being presented in a movie will really take you someplace when really it's a dead end. And so what we want to do is we want to look at uh, the movie this week. The movie this week is How to Train Your Dragon 2. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that there was more training that needed to be done. There was more money that needed to be made in Hollywood. And so realistically, I mean, if something is a hit, you make another one. Uh, you know, so um, I've always thought, you know, end of the world, end of the world too. Uh, you know, you have those different things like that where if, it, if it's making money, you do it. So the, the principles in this movie, you've got to see some of them in the trailer right there. Hiccup, Hiccup is this young Viking who's, you know, they're supposed to be killing dragons because they're at war, but he's not really into killing dragons. And then you've got uh, Toothless, this night fury dragon who is just very... Uh, you know, the most dangerous of all dragons and stuff. And so about five years ago in the storyline, they united, they came together, and they, they really delivered uh, the Vikings and, and the dragons from killing one another and united them, brought them together. And if you look at this, Hiccup, Hiccup kind of rides um, 
toothless, kind of like his own private dragon jet, you know, all over the place. And so they end up in this ice caves in this next adventure that you're seeing. I'm not going to ruin it for you and tell you a thing, but, you know, they end up in this uh, ice cave. And so what happens is they, they discover this whole new species of dragons that are there and this mysterious dragon rider that's there. But there is this villain, Drago Bloodfest, and, and Drago Bloodfest has decided that he is going to raise up an army of dragons, and he is going to take over the world. And that's his whole thing. And so what they find again is, as they get to this point is Hiccup and Toothless decide, you know what, we have to unite if we are going to deliver uh, humans and dragons again. And one of the things for them, they discover something that many of us never do. And that is you can accomplish more when you team up than you ever can on your own. You can always accomplish more when you team up than you ever can on your own. As Americans, we tend to exalt the individual. God tends to think very differently about this. You know, books are written about individuals, but major accomplishments are always produced by teams. And that flows across life. If you look at life, I mean, in, in business, that's true. In family, that's true. In ministry, that's true. Teams working together are the ones that accomplish things. Now, what teamwork does, teamwork allows ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary results. It allows ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary results. Uh, inside, we know that, and that's why movies like that about teamwork, that's why they resonate with us. You know, they, we, that's why we look at that and we think, oh man, that team's working well together. We, we love to see that. And the problem is that even though we desire that, and even though we long to be a part of that kind of teamwork, much of the time we don't even know how to get started. Much of the time we look at that and we think, huh, what, what's that supposed to look like? Because team thinking can be very counterintuitive. Most of us think as individuals and not think as a team. So today what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to look at and answer three questions and the three questions are these. Why teams? What does a healthy team look like? What is the secret of a winning team? So why teams? What does a healthy team look like? And what is the secret of a winning team? The first one, why teams? I mean, why teams in the first place? Why, why do we even need teams? I think the answer is found for us in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. And here it says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. So the first reason for teams, the first reason that we have teams in the first place is impact. And we see that there in verse 9. In verse 9 it says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. You know, I saw this lived out. You know, you get more done when you're a part of a team. Uh, when our sons um, were growing up, uh, two, our two oldest ones, uh, when they were, one was uh, first year in college and one was still in high school. And so they took a job at All-American, this uh, home improvement center that a friend of ours uh, Greg uh, owned and, or ran. And so, so they took this job and all of a sudden one day they come home and they have like tickets to the Dodger game and money and stuff. And I said, where, where did you guys, where did you guys get this stuff? 
And they go, oh, Greg gave it to us. And I thought, Greg gave it to you? Oh, no, no, this is not good, no. I thought, you know, Greg is probably giving them this because we're friends and then the other people at work are going to hate them and this is going to be bad. And and so I was was thinking, oh, this is not good. So I see Greg the next week and I said, hey, you know, buddy... You, you don't need to do things like that, okay? I mean, you don't, you don't need to give uh, anything extra to the boys. He goes, what are you talking about? And I said, uh, the, the, the tickets, the money, the stuff like that. You don't, you don't need to do that. He goes, are you kidding me? You, th- you, you thought I gave that to them just because we're, like, we're friends? And I thought, I guess not. Uh, so I said, uh, uh, why, why, why did you give it to him? He goes, those guys work circles around everybody else at work. Oh, my gosh. He said, like, we give them stuff to do, and usually they're planning on, okay, this is going to take, like, you know, an hour uh, or an hour and a half for this job. And he said, and 30 minutes later, they come back and they go, what else do you want us to do? And we're like, what? You've got it done? They're like, yeah. He goes, then we go out to check, and it's not only done, but it's done well. And so I thought, hmm. So that night, we're sitting around, and we're at dinner, and I said to the boy, I said, so uh, I I hear you guys have been doing a pretty good job at work. How's, How's that working? They go, Okay. I said, what's going on? And then they start telling me, well, you know, sometimes they'll have these trucks. And, I mean, some of these guys, they just, you know, they go out there and they're kind of taking stuff out of the truck. and they're, But the, there's no coordination. They don't really work together. And they said, so one of the things we do is we kind of get out there and, you know, we have two trucks. And we thought, instead of, you know, instead of just doing, let's figure out how quickly we can unload this truck. But you have to do it well, and you, you, know, you lose points if you don't do this. And then they start competing with one another, and they start doing this. But they work together as a team, and then they push one another. Because as they're working together, each one of them is trying to keep up with the other one, trying to do more, trying to do more. And they end up accomplishing a whole lot. You have major impact when you work with a team that you don't have when you work as an individual. Another thing is encouragement. In verse 10, it says, If either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. You ever need encouragement? You ever have times in your life where you think, Oh my gosh, I'm just not sure I'm going to be able to do this. In fact, quite frankly, I'm fairly convinced I'm not. You know, because you you start doing something and then you kind of stumble. What this says right here is that when you have someone you're working with on a team, you get help. And you get encouragement in times of struggle. And we all need that. We all need that. The third reason, though, is the reason warmth. Now, in verse 11, it says, Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? You're like, really? Yes, it's true. Uh, You know, you keep each other warm. Now, coldness, you know, isolation produces coldness. And this is not only true uh, physically, this is true spiritually. One of the things I've seen over the years is, you know, if you see somebody and they begin to pull away from a team, they begin to pull away from a group, they begin to kind of, you know, oh, I I can handle this on my own. There begins to be a coldness that begins to overtake them. They just begin to kind of die down. But they get around the group, they get around the team, and all of a sudden there's this warmth, there's this this fire, this energy that begins to, to really help them out. That's, that's a major reason for a team. The last one, accomplishment. In verse 12, it says, If one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. You know, it's hard to defeat a team of people. 
it's hard to defeat a whole team. A team doesn't have to be big. A team can be as few as two. Okay, it can be a huge team or it can be as few as two. Like we said, it works its way throughout the fabric of life. So it can be a business. It can be a family. Maybe in a family there's two of you. Okay, you know what? That's a team. That's a team. You need to work as a team. And so these are the reasons why. But what does a healthy team, what does a healthy team look like? I want us to look at that. When we're talking about a healthy team, when we're talking about a team uh, period in this case, what we're talking about is something that looks much more like a spiritual football team than it does a spiritual wrestling team. So now what, what's the difference? Well, the difference is individual accomplishment versus working together to accomplish a goal. In, in wrestling, in wrestling, you know, you work out together, you talk about it some, but you go out to compete individually. You don't go out to compete as a team. You go out and you compete individually. With a football team, you talk, you know, there's, there's communication, you do a lot of that. But when you go out, you go out to work together as a team to accomplish the goal. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't want individual training. In fact, I'm convinced individual training, man-to-man, is probably the best, not even probably, it is the best way of training that there is. Because within that, within individual training, you get to focus on the needs of the individual and really developing them. It's not like it's, you know, it's like the best and then, you know, or, you know, something else is in second place. It's like the best and something else is in about a hundredth place. I mean, it's that good. Individual training. But you train people individually to function as part of a team. You train them individually to function as part of a team. So, for instance, like in football that we were talking about a minute ago, you know, you go over there and let's say the coach at SC, you know, Sark is there and... He looks around one day and he sees this lineman who just does not seem to, to hold his block. And so what does he do? Well, he begins to notice this and he talks to the line coach about this. And so the line coach calls the lineman over and he says, hey, we need to talk about some stuff. And he, he kind of takes him and he's looking at some stuff. He takes him into the film room. They go in there. He's showing him different blocks. He's showing him what he's doing and how he's doing. He says, do you see this? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I see that. He goes, okay. Here's what you want to work on. Here's what you want to change. And he begins to work with him and he helps him. But he works with him individually to make him a better part of a team. So that's what we want to do. A team effort coupled with individual training will accomplish exponentially more. But it's a team effort coupled with individual training. Whether it's a family, whether it's a business, whether it's a ministry. So we train people individually to function as a team. And when we talk about teamwork, we're not talking about group effort, okay? Those two are different. Uh, Group effort doesn't necessarily mean teamwork. You know, let's say here, let's say Andy uh, comes up here and Andy says, hey, you know what, we need to clear the stage of uh, equipment and instruments and stuff. And so everybody goes, okay, and everybody jumps up and they, they run up to pitch in, you know, and... What ends up happening? You know, what would end up happening? Well, I can tell you. You know, instruments would probably be broken. Equipment would be damaged. Doors would be banged and nicked. Things would be left behind. And people would probably not have the greatest attitudes. You know, I mean, they're just trying to get, trying to get it all done. That's group activity. Group activity is, is group activity, but it's not teamwork. Teamwork is different. Teamwork involves clear um, purpose and a coordinated effort. A clear purpose 
and a coordinated effort. Those are essential for, for teamwork. So a lot of times you see group activity, and, and, and in many churches and in, and in many organizations and in many families, group activity is substituted for teamwork. You need to learn to function as a team. Now, if you're a basketball fan, you got to witness this firsthand here about a week ago. Here you have Miami. Uh, now, Miami comes in and they have the best individual player that, that's playing right now. And they have a, a talented group that were there. But then San Antonio comes in. They function as a team. I mean, they listen to the coach. They're utilizing all the strengths. I mean, quite frankly, I didn't even like the fact that San Antonio beat Oklahoma City, and I didn't like, well, there's all of the facts I didn't like. But you know what? They did that anyway. Why? They functioned as a team. Clear purpose, coordinated effort. I mean, and if you looked at the results, teamwork produced far more than group effort. Miami, group effort. San Antonio, teamwork. And teamwork just blew out group effort. You know, so you want to learn to function as a team. Now, what, what is the definition of teamwork? Teamwork is simply this. Work done by a number of associates, all subordinating personal prominence to the efficiency of the team. Let me repeat that for you. This is just Webster, so you can go home and look it up in the dictionary. But teamwork, work done by a number of associates, all subordinating personal prominence to the efficiency of a team. Have you ever played a team sport and had a grandstander that was a part of that? You ever done that? I mean, you ever played, you had somebody that all they were doing, they were kind of looking out for themselves. Now, I played uh, baseball, was one of the sports I played back in high school, and we had a pretty good team. I mean, we actually had a, had a very good team. And so we're playing uh, one time, um, but, well, let me tell you a little bit about the team. Much to the chagrin of the coaches, some of our guys love to imitate pro players. Now, one of the pro players at that time was a guy named Ricky Henderson. And Ricky Henderson was the kind of guy that just kind of oozed cool. Okay, you know, you kind of look at Ricky Henderson and you think, that guy's cool. And especially because when he went out, somebody would hit a ball. He played outfield. Somebody would hit a ball, and he would go up, and he wouldn't just catch the ball. He would attack the ball. He would sit there and he would act like he was bored. He'd stand there and all of a sudden the ball would come and he'd, he'd go and just catch the ball. and just slap the ball and catch it. Everybody would go, oh, he is so cool. Oh, my gosh. Well, some of our guys thought that was a cool thing. And um, so they would do that. And the coach would be out there, you know, two hands. Let's think about this. Two hands, you know, and stuff like that. Well, we're in the state semifinals. And we are ahead by one run. And the other team is at bat. They have two on, two out, bottom of the last inning. And the batter hits a little soft fly ball to center field. And we are thinking, easy out. I mean, the rest of us are standing out there. And we are already envisioning the finals game. We are in the state finals. That is, we were envisioning that until the center fielder decided to be Ricky Henderson. And he stands back there, and he just kind of nonchalant, and he slaps at the ball. And he slaps it all the way to the fence. And two runs score. And we lose. He looked really cool. 
But we lost. And you look and you kind of think, hmm, what's going on? See what Webster says there? Webster says, work done by a number of associates, all subordinating personal prominence to the efficiency of the team. You've seen that same thing happen in, in music and in bands where some guy is just all about himself. You've seen it in a lot of arenas. We want to work together. Everybody subordinates their own personal prominence so that the team's goals, the team things move forward. Now, just on the side note, the next year, um, after we graduated and went off to college, the next year, they won it all. They won the state championship. In fact, the center fielder that played was the All-State Most Valuable Player of the Year. One of the things he'd learned, he'd learned to be a team player. He played very, very differently after that. So, you know, learning to work together as a team. Now, what's the secret of a winning team? secret of a winning team is really twofold thing. One, solid leader. And two, a unified team. Now, you may sit there and think, leader? Well, why do we need a leader? And that's the, that's the thinking in a lot of society. Why do we need leaders? I mean, honestly, why do we need leaders? Well, if you remember in Matthew 9, lack of leadership was one of the things that really moved Jesus with compassion. I mean, at one point, Jesus is there and, and it says he looked out on them and he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he did not want that. You know, he, he, so he says, says to the people that are, he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send out laborers into the harvest field. Why? Leadership is so needed. Why, why is leadership needed? Well, as we said earlier, part of what makes a team is a clear mission and a coordinated effort. That's why there's a need for leadership. There's a need because there is a mission to be accomplished. There is a job to be done. If there was no mission to be accomplished, if all we were doing were just hanging out together, then there's no need for leadership. But we're doing more than hanging out together. Whether you're in a family, if you're a family and all you're doing is just hanging out together, well, there's something wrong, okay? If that's all you're about, I'm not talking about sometimes like you're just hanging out, I'm not, so don't go paranoid on me, okay? What I am talking about is if you're a family and, you know, you say, what's your family about? Hanging out? You're like, oh, what? take you outside and reset. You know, uh, you know, no, there, that's not what you want to be about. You want to be about more than that. You want to be about accomplishing a mission. You know, if you're in a business, if you're in a ministry, whatever team you're a part of, you want to be about accomplishing something. So that's why there's a need for a leader. So what's the role of a leader? What's a leader to do? Well, three things primarily. One, set direction. Set direction. You need to make sure that the direction you set is very clear, that people know the objectives. Now, for like in church life, we, we, we've had that direction set for us by God. But there's different teams. There's a lot of different teams that function within church life. And each one of the leaders of those teams needs to clearly set direction and communicate that. The second thing, provide training. And there again, you train people individually to function as a team. You train them individually to function as a team. And then thirdly, coordinate efforts. Get the parts working effectively together. This is one of the things there, again, if you go back to the NBA and you look at uh, Popovich, the coach of uh, San Antonio, brilliant. In that 
He gets all of the parts. He gets all of the people working together effectively. It does not matter how talented your people are if they don't work well together. They've got to work effectively and efficiently together. So, that's the role of a leader. So, solid leadership and a unified team. How how do you become a unified team? Well, the answer to that is found for us in a little passage in Romans 12. Uh, 3-11. In Romans 12, it says, For through the grace, this is Paul speaking uh, in a letter that he wrote to the uh, uh, church in Rome. And he says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, or, or like a sane estimate of yourself, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. Or he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now what this passage does is this passage lays out for us the characteristics of a unified team. The first one is found there in verse 3. It's the right attitude. He says, Through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. One of the things that's needed when you're going to be a part of a team is you need to have an attitude of humility because you need to not think more highly of yourself. You need to look at the team and you need to think about the team. So you don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but you have an attitude of humility. You have an attitude of teachability. That needs to run throughout the team. Everybody on the team. You ever been a part of a team where somebody's like, oh, no, no, I got it. No, I, no, 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 I don't need to hear it. No, I know. I know, I know, I know. I mean, you, you think, can, can we shoot him? I mean, that, that will just help the team. You know, but if you have somebody that's there and they're really listening and they really, you know, are humble, they pay attention, good team member. So, right attitude. The second one, division of responsibility. Division of responsibility. In, in verse 4, it says, For just as we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. Not everyone on a team is going to do the same thing, but each one of them are playing their part. And that's the same thing that we want to be true of any team we're on. We don't have to be doing the same thing everyone else is doing, but we need to be playing our part. Then, thirdly, unity. In verse 5, everyone on the same page, pulling in the same direction. Verse 5 says, So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Now, there's a whole lot of talk about, you know, what creates unity and how do you develop unity. Unity is never realized on a team apart from action and apart from service. You have to do things together. If you don't do things together, you don't have unity 
on a team. I mean, you can sit around and talk about unity. You can all get t-shirts alike. You can do all kinds of things. But unity comes from really working together, action, and, and, and service. The fourth one, different opportunities. Different opportunities. In verse 6 through 8, he says, Since we all have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the portion of his faith is service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, who gives with liberality, who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There needs to be a lot of different opportunities on a team. If, if you have a team that the strike zone is so small that this is all that we need, you're going to have very few people that can really plug in and join that team. What you need is, is a team that has different opportunities. And God has gifted us all. He's gifted each of us in different ways. So one of the things I'd encourage you to do, like around here, find a team that fits you. There's lots of different opportunities. Find a team that fits you. Jump in and begin to serve. Begin to be a part of that team. Begin to look for ways that you can be a part. The fifth one. This is another characteristic of a unified team and probably one of the most important. Love and loyalty. When people's hearts are knit together, there is great power in that. In fact, you know, if you look in Scripture, what you see is, at one point, uh, you see people begin to work together like the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2. Over and over, like 13 times, I think it is, in the, uh, in the Bible, the, the term in one accord is used. Eleven of those are in the book of Acts. If you look in the book of Acts, these people were... were Loving and loyal one to another. And God did incredible things as far as adding people into the kingdom and really seeing ground taken from the enemy. So, love and loyalty. Um, in verse 9 there, he says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. And then lastly, right perspective. Right perspective. In verse 11, he says, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We are about far bigger things as a part of a team than just what the team is about. A lot of times we think, you know, like say somebody is, is here and they're on setup and they think, well, I'm just about moving equipment. No, 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 no. You're about far more than that. You are about serving the living God in the way that you handle things. In the way that you carry out your responsibilities on any given team, you are about really bringing honor to God and bringing blessing to other people. And so we're always about far more than we just see in, in, in a clear way. So those are some of the things that teamwork is about. You know, it's why have a team? Well, the very things we talked about in Ecclesiastes, you know. What's a team look like? Well, it's it's, you know, individuals coming together to work in a, in a team function. And then, you know, what's, what are the characteristics of a good team? Well, you know, good leadership and, and a unified team. A unified team. So, what about next step? What are some of the next steps for you? Let me, let me kind of suggest a few that might be next steps for you. Uh, one, look to join a team here at CIV to kind of move the mission forward. Now, the goal, the goal isn't team joining, okay? If you're wondering, you know, is, is the goal just to join? No, the goal isn't team joining. 
The goal is accomplishing the objectives of the team. But to accomplish those, you need a team. So, let me encourage you. Look around. Think about one you could join and, and, and jump in. Secondly, begin to live out the right actions and attitudes with a team you're already on. Now, for some of you, that may be a team here. For some of you, that may be a team you're on at work. For some of you, that may be the family you're in. You know what? You need to figure out, am I being a unified team member? Am I being a good team? Or if you're the leader, are you doing the things a leader needs to do in the team that God has given you? You need to, you need to look at that. And then, uh, I would encourage you, look at Romans 12 and kind of review some of that. Thirdly, you may want to memorize Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his brother. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. If you memorize that, one of the things you can do is you can remember, why is it we need teamwork? And keep that at the forefront. Now I'm going to pray for us, and the worship team is going to lead us as we... uh, Take up the offering. The first impressions team will be coming by. They'll be taking up the offering. Let me encourage you. Um, the card that Jeep mentioned earlier, the connection card, uh, fill that out. If you want to check on there, one of the boxes about this is something that I, I want to uh, take as the next step, feel free to do that. Uh, if there's some things on there we can be praying for, fill that out. But drop that in there in the offering bucket in just a minute. Let me pray for us now. Father, thank you um, that you've given us clear direction from your word that, Father, we don't have to, um, we don't have to wonder um, how to function. You, you, you've told us clearly that you desire us to be part of teams. That it's through teams you accomplish your mission in the world. It's through teams that you've always worked. You start with a man, but then you build a team around. So, Father, I pray that uh, we would be wise enough to cooperate with you that um, on the teams you've already placed us on, we would be good teammates. And on the uh, ones that you want us to be a part of, that we would be ready volunteers, uh, ready to get in there and work. So uh, teach us the things about teamwork that you want us to learn. And we pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.